Hello, this is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thank you so much for joining us. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Mozart. planet, 
the last time they occurred was in of any magnitude was in 1851, although they happened periodically over the course of years. The thing is that they've been relatively minor, and in 1851, our planet wasn't electrified as it is today. So the potential danger or threat back in 1851 was a fraction of what it is today. Our entire world operates on electricity and on computers, as I'm sure you've noticed. So to know ahead of time what to do, how to manage both physically and emotionally such a blackout that could occur and be prepared for that nothing much might happen at all to have the steadiness of mind, the sturdiness as well, is no small thing. We live in a world of stress, and we are in obliged, really, to address it routinely, every single day, not only every day, every hour, and even really every minute, to be looking at what it is that is upon us on many different levels, Emotionally, the people we care about, our boss who wants to do X, Y, and Z that we might not be pleased about, or our lover or friend or spouse, boyfriend or girlfriend, what have you, intimate other, might have some thoughts and feelings that might not accord with our own, or on other levels. We may look at the fact that here in New York City, we live 19 miles from Indian Point nuclear plant. That's sort of like having nuclear torpedoes facing you moment to moment. I know they're not literally facing us as such, but it may as well be literally 19 miles from the epicenter, if you will, of New York City, probably around the Empire State Building, something like that. How do you think that makes one feel if one truly reflects on and contemplates this little piece of information? Well, it's harrowing, to be honest about it, harrowing. And it's really up to us to manage the stress that that causes and grow also in accordance with it, grow bigger than the stress. Let the stress help us grow and expand our own ability to function. And when we can grow from stress instead of be overwhelmed by it, that's the moment. That's the crux of evolution perhaps right there. That's the moment of the cross, the contention that the pressure upon us makes us more diamond-like than it does a puddle of water. That's what's good for us. So let me just remind you all that uh, on this show, routinely, based on my own background in psychology, in counseling, in relationships, in coaching, both on the personal side and dealing with issues of intimacy, as well on the business side, in helping business partners, colleagues, cohorts, 
get along, have the dialogues they need to have in order to succeed, in order to grow their business enterprise, whatever it may be, small, medium, or large, is unimportant to the dialogue that needs to happen between partners to keep the ball rolling. And it's the communication between people and managing the stress wisely and responsibly that allows our society to really move forward. So on one hand, it has to do with making smart choices in our businesses, having to do with the materials we use, the quality of the materials, where we source them, what services it is we're offering, what methods we choose to market or advertise our given product or service. <clears throat> Those are all very important considerations, as are other considerations regarding who is running the show, who is making the decisions, how do people in power, in management, speak to one another, how do they speak to their employees and their staff, are they polite and courteous and respectful, or are they honestly abusive and in tone tones that alienate instead of corroborate, that push people away and distance them instead of making them feel part of a team. These are such important considerations that are given way too little attention, as well as how do we maximize the value of our employees, their brain power, their creativity, their imagination, their contribution to the whole. Do we as managers, as executives, as C-levels, CEO, CFO, COO, CTO, maximize the potential contribution, the brain trust of our company, of our employees, even including the secretaries, the assistants. They are as smart and smarter oftentimes than some of the people who are holding positions as engineers or as executives or creative directors, i.e., the brain trust of a company is the entirety of the company. It's not just people with fancy titles or large um, salaries. And the smart CEO realizes this and realizes that the pooled intelligence, imagination, and creativity of the company is its real resource, its real strength, not just the ones with fancy titles. Sometimes, it could even be the janitor who empties the uh, waste paper baskets in the middle and at the end of the day, who changes the water in the water cooler, who is listening as he's walking around and has a pulse on the rhythm of what's going on internally in the company in some ways that even management doesn't know. So why in the world would C-level want to block the input from someone who is truly a resource and on the payroll, by the way, like the so-called janitor, or sometimes they're called these days a refuse engineer. This is Mitchell J. Raven. I'm very glad that you're listening in and joining us again today. 
As usual, uh, we try to address subjects that we feel are interesting to our audience. So, therefore, I'm going to invite the audience to call in any time that they would like to, since I do not have an appointed guest for the for the uh, half hour show today. And the number is six zero two seven five three eighteen sixty. That's six zero two seven five three. 1860 and uh, if you call in I should be able to see that on my screen here so certainly feel free to do so and I would be glad to address any of the subjects that are pressing and important to you be they personal in nature or professional in nature it's all fine the reality is that we all need a confidant someone whom we can speak our heart and mind to, let alone our soul, and speak the truth as we see it, unburden ourselves of our own concerns, uh, sometimes our anxieties about the way things are happening on the planet, the way things are happening in one's own life, the way things are unfolding in one's business life or career not the way we may choose it, but it's happening anyway. How can we get a little guidance around it? And that, my friends, is what Mitchell Raven does on this show called A Better World. After all, how are we going to improve the world unless we're honest about what it is we see, feel, and perceive, what we believe, looking at the assumptions we make in our day-to-day lives? And so much of that really harkens back to who we were as children and harkens back even further to who we were as infants and harkens back even further to who we were prenatally, what we were absorbing as sponges and what we have since done with that information. So, how many of us actually think about that in our day-to-day lives? No, we don't do that. We think of what we think of, but rarely do we think back to the roots of our thinking. Do we look at cause and get to the fundamentals of how our thinking got formed in the very first place, how our emotional lives got configured? We just take it all as so, as true as real, but we created that reality. Funny thing to say. Stranger not to believe, actually, after you've really examined the data. You see that we are plastic. Neuroplasticity, meaning the mutability of our brains, of our dendrites, literally our neurons, our synapses are all transmutable. They are reconfigurable. We say plastic. What we really mean is resilient. Neuroplasticity is one of the key notions that we find in today's neuroscience. It's distinguished significantly from the past antiquated mythic ideas that the brain is set. It doesn't grow. Once set by age five, that's it, folks. Sayonara. Go about making changes some other way, maybe through hypnosis, maybe through some medication, but it ain't going to do it this way. But that's not true. Brain cells grow. They multiply. They are not set and just 
diminish. So through proper nutrition, through proper exercise of the brain, through mental exercises, through meditation, through Qigong or Tai Chi Chuan, we can expand our brain functionality, which means our nervous system functionality, which will also include memory, eye-hand coordination, skill sets far and beyond what we ordinarily think of as ours. We can expand, we can become gymnasts if we wanted to, and we can actually even create brain gyms through certain mental exercises, brain exercises, memory exercises, math puzzles, science puzzles, syllogisms, analogies, contemplating nature. These are all ways that we can grow our nervous system and get smarter over time. Oh, don't think about the IQ. Yeah, that is a measure of some portion of our overall intelligence. But we want to think about intellectual intelligence every bit as much as we want to think about emotional and kinesthetic intelligence. There are some people who can dance. There are some people who can sculpt. There are some people who can paint but are not necessarily very verbal. There are some people who can play an instrument, and it's brilliant, but they do not know how to communicate very well with their neighbor or their loved one, for that matter, verbally. And all of this needs to be respected. And we can all grow and, like Taffy, tease our skill sets further in several different directions so that we can enjoy the full inheritance of our human potential. And, of course, that's what we like to talk about on A Better World. After all, what would be more important than actualizing our full human potential. Let me remind you that this is Mitchell J. Raven on A Better World. You are listening to me every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please join and bring your questions. We often focus also on socially responsible business. We talk about conscious capitalism. We speak about how to transform our society so that it's more in accordance with Mother Earth. And uh, that, my friends, is really the primary subject of today's show, which is this notion of sacred stewardship. How to develop a healthy, respectful, sacred relationship with each other and with our Earth. Because if you reflect on the way human beings have acted toward each other, and toward the earth, over the course of, at this point, millennia, you would want to shed a tear or shed so many you might not even find yourself able to stop. That's how tragic it has been in the way we have, by and large, treated each other. If you count the number of wars that have been waged on this planet, on our very beautiful skin, that could otherwise be used for growing vegetables, fruits, various crops, nuts, berries, 
and feeding the world population instead of killing off the world population for building little schoolhouses so people can get educated, so families can live in decent housing across the face of the planet. But no, instead, uh, Americans, yes, Americans, humans have by and large decided to fill this land with landmines and use countries and nations as battlegrounds for waging war and violence instead of cultivating peace and being friendly with each other. And God knows we have a lot of that. But once you have governments who are intervening and interceding on behalf of people, but it's not really on our behalf at all. It's on their own behalf. We have trouble right here, right here in River City, as the music man said many moons ago. So we want to really take a moment and gather to ourselves and reflect on our own collective human history and recognize that it has been violence both in actions and in thoughts and in feelings and in words. Violence has been a prominent and prevalent uh, um, action, verb, and thought across human history in every single country. Not one is immune to the tendency and proclivity toward violence. And given the brain that we have, given the fact that we have brain material embedded in our hearts, given the fact that we are seeking to evolve, intending to evolve, intending to grow emotionally and spiritually into a higher level of human seeing as we really are interested in the fulfillment of human potential. It's time. It is truly time for ourselves to take ourselves seriously. And that doesn't mean not also take ourselves lightly. Worry not. We will always have to do that. That's a function of the whole thing. But the mess that we have made is so profoundly serious that first let's take ourselves seriously, let's take a true look at ourselves and see what we can do to correct this mess, these tendencies, and get back on track and create a proper, humane, respectful relationship with each other, with all sentient life, as the Buddhists would urge us to do, and with Mother Earth herself as a living being, Gaia, playing her role in the galaxy and her role in the cosmos. Funny idea, huh? Not really. Not really. Not when we stop to think about it. After all, we are born from Earth. We call her Mother because while we came biologically from our own physical mother, she, if you trace it back far enough, came from Mother Earth. All of us were grown on and from the fruits of Mother Earth. So to think of Mother Earth as some kind of inert rock is one of the most peculiar ideas 
a human can have. It's as peculiar as thinking of God as some white-bearded man sitting in the clouds, beautiful as Michelangelo's work is. It's completely preposterous um, from a real point of view. And my only regret is that piece of art etched itself into the common psyche of humans so that we are all walking around with this infantile notion of God as an old elderly man reaching out to his son. Now, can God fashion himself into such a one? Yes. Other than that, it's anthropocentric nonsense. And we need to really grow up and abandon our curious and peculiar idea of God in that way. I'll share a quick little story with you, which is to say that uh, a teacher of mine, a much lauded intellectual of the 20th century, Terence McKenna, was once asked in a workshop, Terence, and people just adored his point of view on so many things. He was really an icon. What do you think God is? Do enlighten us, Mr. McKenna. And Terence turned to that person and he said, biology. And wow, it was sort of like a moment of a fast opening and moment of clarity. That is for sure. God is biology. Adaptable, flexible, resilient, brilliantly intelligent, full of life, vitality, and its essence, full of love and humor. So, when we really bear down on biology, I should call a chapter of my book, Bearing Down on Biology, we can see that biology is God's way of expressing vitality through life. It's a structure through which the unknown is made known in form. The number here is 602-753-1860. That's 602-753-1860. And when I speak about sacred stewardship, which is the subject of my book, it's about people getting reignited and reunited with the principles of nature and the principles of goodness and quality of life. It has to do with happiness, pleasure, openness, laughter, and treating the earth harmoniously in a sacred, renewable, and sustainable way. That way, we can have life for a long time to come. A long time to come. (laughs) Because as we're going now, left to these folks that are unconsciously and self-interestedly heading up 
positions of power in corporations and government, we see that our future is not long, not for this species, not in their hands. Are we going to rise up and take control of the reins? Oh, I hope so, and I see so. And some of the way for that to happen is not some kind of violent action. No, 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 no. It's education. It's winning the intellects over who are have lost their hearts and yet are CEOs and CFOs of some of the major corporations on the planet who have given up their humanity for a desirable, for them, desirable bottom line. But a bottom line on paper, in a graph, on a spreadsheet, cannot be compared to the cylindrical, curvilinear magnificence of a circle. That is life itself. Life and nature occur in spheres and circles, not straight lines like a bottom line. So when we get that, my friends, we have come a long way to understanding the deep value of humility in sacred stewardship. Thanks so much for joining me. This will be the end of today's show. Please call next time at 602-753-1860. Tune in for a little Mozart after visiting our website at www.abetterworld.tv. There you can hear shows archived, podcast, and actually buy our shows online through our Amazon store. Thanks so much for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.
I can't hear you.